Good morning, good friends, and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church on this second Sunday in the season of Easter. We are glad that you have gathered with us, a few here in this sanctuary, and many of you who have found your way to Facebook Live or to our podcast on Spotify. Thank you for being here. If you are a visitor, we're especially glad that you are here. We will begin an orientation cycle for folks who are interested in learning more about Selwyn Avenue, which is an intergenerational community of faith. We are committed to knowing one another and to knowing our neighbors uh, through Christ. Orientation classes are on Thursday evenings and they begin in May. So if you want to be a part of those, just put your name in our chat feed or please reach out to me here at the church and we'll be sure to get to know you better as you get to know us better as well. We are beginning a new series, a new preaching series here at Selwyn Avenue for this spring, and there are many small group Bible studies and Sunday school classes that are forming as we embark on a series entitled Letters to a New Church. We are all uh, starting to think about what it means to re-engage and reconnect and what it truly means to be a church here in this world right now in this city. So if you'd like to be a part of a Bible study or a Sunday school, please look for more information in our weekly email or on our website. It's been a long year, Selwyn, uh, and as we do continue to regather and reconnect, please make note of your many options for worshiping with us. We are inviting people back into the sanctuary up to 75, including our worship leaders. You can register through our website. Every Sunday evening, if it is not raining, at 5 o'clock, we have a very casual uh, socially distanced worship service uh, on our lawn with our amphitheater. Tonight we have our senior youth, Still Dewey, his friend Will, and a sophomore, Andy Bentley, providing music. It's very casual. You can bring your children, lunch, dinner, whatever you want to bring. There's uh, plenty of room for everyone there. Next week we will host a bluegrass band, The River Rats, so that should be interesting too. And you can always find us on Facebook. Uh, please know that our entire staff has now been vaccinated, so if you do come in person, then we feel pretty safe. And if you need help finding a vaccination, we're happy to walk through that with you as well. Next Sunday, the 18th, is a congregational life event. It will be held outside between 12 and 2. There will be crafts for young children, but it is meant for all ages. Uh, some of the folks who gather will walk down to the Little Sugar Creek Greenway and collect trash as we um, seek to keep this earth clean and beautiful. And now, let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
This is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please rise in body or spirit and join me in the call to worship, either found in your bulletin or in the chat feed. Caring Shepherd, you supply all our needs. We celebrate God who generously cares for all. Good Shepherd, you take us by the hand and lead us through the dark and fearful times in life. We celebrate God who shows compassion and understanding. Gracious Shepherd, your goodness and mercy nurtures and blesses us and it enriches our soul. We celebrate God who restores and refreshes our soul. We gather to praise the Lord our God. Amen.
Friends, God's amazing grace goes before us, goes through us, goes behind us. Often it is unknown and unseen, often in spite of us. Because of God's grace, we have confidence that we might turn to God and confess our sins before God and one another. Please join me using the prayer of confession. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste to the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and turn them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love. In Jesus Christ, amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance found in the book of Titus. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So today we are beginning our sermon series, Letters to a New Church, as we journey through the letters of Paul. In navigating our way through these texts, we will witness the ways in which Paul addresses the church or particular people as these new communities are being led, formed, and shaped after the resurrection. Granted, we have 2,000 years of post-resurrection development, theology, and the like, but to be perfectly honest, we are still trying to figure it all out amidst an ever-changing world and culture. So this week, we find ourselves in Titus. Some of you may be thinking, well, that's an interesting place to start. Or you may not know much about this short letter, so let's take a look. Today's text comes from chapter 1, verses 4 through 2-1. Hear now the word of God. To Titus, my loyal child in the faith we share, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. I left you behind in Crete for this reason, so that you should put in order what remains to be done, and should appoint elders in every town as I directed you, someone who is blameless, married only once, whose children are believers, not accused of debauchery and not rebellious, 
for a bishop as God's steward must be blameless. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or addicted to wine or violent or greedy for gain, but he must be hospitable, a lover of goodness, prudent, upright, devout, and self-controlled. He must have a firm grasp on the word that is trustworthy in accordance with the teaching so that he may be able to both preach with sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. There are so many rebellious people, idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for sordid gain what is not right to teach. It was one of them, their very own prophet, who said, Cretans are always liars, vicious brutes, lazy gluttons. That testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply, so that they may become sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths or to commandments of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their very minds and consciences are corrupted. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their actions. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what is consistent with sound doctrine. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Titus. It may only take up a page, maybe two, in the Bible, but don't let that fool you. This is, letter has a lot to unpack. It's considered one of the pastoral epistles and is concerned with spiritual guidance and direction for the leader. And not just for Titus, but as we'll see, the letter was intended to prepare for the future. The future where Titus would find himself in the future that is before us today. Titus was a disciple of Paul, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul calls him his partner and co-worker. He was a Gentile who traveled and taught with Paul for many years. You could say that Titus has a lot of ministry experience. Paul trusted him, so of course it makes sense that he left him behind on a large Greek island. So just be forewarned, if you share a deep abiding love for God with people, you may be asked to do something big. Now, Crete was more than just a Mediterranean island with blue water and cliff towns where one can vacation. And we hear about this place briefly in Acts as Paul is traveling to Rome. But why this place and why at this time? Well, we see in the text that there was a cultural crisis. The noise of disobedience was loud in Crete. And Paul was charging Titus with offering pastoral care and establishing order for the sake of faith. And as we read this letter today, it feels as though it reflects a world in which we find ourselves. Paul's words are polemic in nature, and we too stand at the compilation of a fractured society. We remain divided on issues of just about everything, Issues of religion, politics, education, money, gender, and race. It continues to rip the very fabric of our society apart, push us apart, 
and make others feel lesser than. And we see in the text there was a great concern by Paul for being in the word, in the world, living by faith and not of the world through acceptance of its institutions, mores, and manners. Particular circumstances were forcing the church to delineate more carefully the criteria for its leaders. False teaching, rebellious people, idle talkers, and deceivers. And this is where they were trying to grow the church? You bet. What Paul is doing in these verses is drawing a strong contrast between those who trust God's warranty and those who trust the world's guarantee. Faith alone by grace alone. Or if it's to be, it's up to me. Christianity and Judaism were going their separate ways at this time, but there was still influence by Jewish beliefs. These teachers insisted on keeping external rituals, diet, circumcision, washing, which equaled purity. And while these weren't in and of themselves bad things, the teachers were conveying that these outward actions had the power to save or to make one righteous. Margaret MacDonald, who studied early church development during the time of Paul, um, especially when this letter was written, said that it focuses on community protection. So formation and stabilization had already occurred, and now the church was focusing on working to meet changing situations and new crises. Don't we know a little about that, too? These last 12 months have caused insurmountable damage and trauma and grief for our world and our society. The pandemic has claimed the lives of so many, and it has also claimed a piece of our ability to be the ideal community we always strive to be. And not only have we continued to hear the shouts of self-advancement in our culture, the, the bigger the better, if you're not first or last, bringing home the bacon, you can have the world at your feet. But we have also been struck by the pandemic which has taught us to fear one another. Keep your distance, don't touch, don't cough, don't sneeze, and wear your mask. These rules have enabled us to stay safe, but it cost us a lot, and unfortunately, it didn't always work. We have built this last year around protecting ourselves. How can we spend this year reconnecting and building a stronger community? We have to remind one another of those qualities that call us to live into the community. Those God-given traits that make you who you are and that give this place life and give the world light. That's what Paul needed Titus to do. Find people, engage them, make space, show up, talk, lean in, and get to know. There are distinct functions that are beginning to emerge in the church at this time. And just a note about the churches um, that we're talking about here. These were not sanctuaries or chapels on every corner of the dusty roads. These were more likely gatherings in people's homes. 
family members, friends, neighbors, gathering, much like this. The NRSV uses the words elders, bishops, and stewards, where the Common English Bible uses supervisors or God's managers. The root of the word elders is actually where we get the term presbyter or presbyterian. And these individuals preside over and guide and lead the church much like we do today. And the word bishop wasn't the position in the church that we see today, but was described as one who looked at intently. One called by God to literally keep their eye on the flock. Now Paul was urging Titus to organize, to appoint, to find and put in order, to give authority to those who were considered faithfully fit. And let's not forget that this was an obvious concern for Jesus. He poured himself into the 12 disciples and many others. Someone who is blameless, married only once, whose children are believers, not accused of debauchery and not rebellious. For a bishop, as God's steward, must be blameless, in case you didn't hear me the first time, must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, addicted to wine, violent, or greedy for gain not quick-tempered, not rebellious, blameless? Well, I feel disqualified. The truth is I worry about the way that these words might hit people. I have been wrestling with this language that Paul uses to describe an ideal leader. And many commentaries do a wonderful job of giving context to each of these traits, but if I were to go through all of them, we would be here for quite some time. And honestly, we have all wrestled with our faith or are wrestling with our faith. And we were all teenagers at one point and showed some level of rebellion at some point in our lives. But I appreciate Robert Yerborough's commentary on the explanation of the word blameless. Blameless cannot mean sin sinless or morally perfect, as Paul knows that all humans fall short of God's glory. He continues saying that they are blameless in God's sight by virtue of the sufficiency of Christ's death at their sake. We are not blameless, but we are in Christ. Being faithfully fit to serve and lead is not dependent on our proximity to perfection or what the world tells us, but it's dependent on God's ongoing reconciling work in the world. Instead, they should possess virtues of hospitality, love what is good, and be reasonable, ethical, godly, and self-controlled. Dr. Manoui of the Research Center for Ethics and Antiquity and Christianity says, if love, forgiveness, and reconciliation become character, human flourishing becomes the norm. And is that not what we want? For one another to flourish in this life? You, Selwyn, have been called to serve this city and this world through your gifts. And we have said this a lot, but this last year has been weird and strange to navigate. And now it feels weird and strange as we begin to go back to our lives with masks on. 
How do we reorient ourselves? How do we open back up? How do we accommodate those who stay virtual and those who are in person? How do we continue the work of justice and reconciliation? How do we welcome our neighbor? How do we begin to re-sow and strengthen the ties that hold us together after being physically apart for a year? How do we meet these new changes and crises? Well, what if that letter read a little something like this? To Selwyn, my brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. You have put roots down in Charlotte to continue the good and faithful work to which you are called. There is so much to be done and mended, but do not worry, we are in this together. As we strive to stay connected and define what this new church looks like post-pandemic, I urge you to keep in touch with one another. Our community, you the people make up this place. Your love, your joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are always ears that need to hear a word of encouragement, a meal to be served, or a space to hold grief. Creating a space to worship, whether in the sanctuary, on the lawn, or at home. There is always a moment to teach, to learn, to experience, and grow, and love. Don't miss them. They are precious and fleeting. There will be people who put you down because of your faith or question if there is even a God in a world that is so torn apart. But be willing to listen and respond from a place of love. This world will try to tell you to live by its rules, its ethics, its greed, and its lust for self-admonishment. The world shouts, you are not good enough. But that is hollow and empty. Live by examples as you always have done. Be the light to those around you. Pointing to God, love, and grace through deed, action, words, or simply your presence. Show up for people. Gather with those who are different from you. Challenge yourself. Challenge each other. Leave this place better than you found it because you are a beloved child of God who is worthy of love and life everlasting. Amen.
continue to worship in prayer. Let us pray. O God of the Easter season, God of new beginnings, God of redemption and hope, after a long and arduous climb, we are weary of what comes next and unsure of how to move ahead. And yet here we are standing with you on the edge of something new. We pray for people in every part of the world that we may seek the common good, working for justice and peace, not for some, not for a few, but for each and every human on earth. For all those who hunger and thirst, that they may be nourished and satisfied. For those whose rights have been abused or rejected, may we stand in solidarity with them as, they, as witnesses, advocates, and allies. For those who have been traumatized by violence, including refugees, May we be agents of love and brokers of comfort in lasting and trusting ways. For elected officials around our globe, help them resist prideful ambition and partisan gain in order that they may serve the welfare of all. As we stand on the edge of something new, we have forgotten what it means to stand together. At times we have each felt so isolated and alone. We pray for your church amid these conflicted times in which we live that we would serve you faithfully. For this church, Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian, that our elders and members would feel your call to creativity and commitment, presence and purpose, hospitality and hope. We stand on the edge of something new. May we be the place where wounds are touched, attended to, released, liberated, and redeemed. We are standing on the edge of something new, but many of us feel paralyzed by exhaustion 
anxious about change and forlorn with sadness. We need more time to grieve. God of salvation and healing, we come to you as a people who continue to struggle with overwhelming challenges of the pandemic. We pray for abundant measures of strength and endurance. We continue to pray for health care workers and for all who are now facilitating vaccinations. May your comfort be with all who are sick and all who have lost loved ones. Indeed, by the power of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we find strength to stand together, to share in our grief and worry. And we find the courage to stand with you on the edge of this thing that feels new. Oh God, we are a people with roots and wings. Draw us to the center vine, nourish and sustain us, so that we might yet again find the energy and the inspiration to spread our mighty wings. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Friends, Christian discipleship is a response of gratitude and hope to God's abundant grace. As Easter people, we live our lives according to God's call and promises of resurrection. But discipleship can be as diverse as God's creation itself. So our church invites you to share your gifts of time, of thought, of presence, of prayer, of service, of care, and of course through tithing and pledging and offerings, the gifts of treasure. If you care to make a financial gift this morning, our text to give number is 704 734-9818. Let us present our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts of discipleship.
pray together in dedication. Gracious God, everything we have comes from you. By your spirit, you fill us with gifts and good things. Our hearts and lives overflow with your abundance. With thanksgiving, we bring to you our time, talents, and resources. Use these gifts that you have given us to feed others as we have been fed, to serve others as we have been served, and to bless others as we have been blessed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. May the grace of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit guide us until we are together again. Go in peace. Thank you.